welcome to After the Bell with your host, Laura. If you like what you hear today, please rate and review kindly. This show is a series of conversations with educators and learners to try and deconstruct some of the stereotypes around education. If you'd like to know more about me, please visit my Instagram page at EducatingLaura. Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. It is Friday, which means it's the blog episode and I'm getting to the end of my blogs because I'm now back in the classroom and I've been quite busy. So I write blogs mainly because something has inspired me and I have a message to relay and at the moment I'm a little busy. Most of my blogs have been COVID related and because Melbourne has come out of its really serious stage four lockdowns and we're able to get out and about and socialize a little bit. I'm less angsty, I suppose, and less drawn to writing and uncovering because I'm just excited to be with people. But on the back of that, obviously, small business, especially in Melbourne and Australia, to a lesser extent, has been impacted quite significantly by COVID. And my mission this year for Christmas, especially, is to try and purchase gifts from small businesses and ensure that I am injecting back into the businesses that have felt this lockdown situation the most severely. And I have put a post out on my Instagram for small businesses and people that shop and would like to recommend a small business to reach out to me. So please DM me at Educating Laura on Instagram if you have someone you would like to recommend. And I have a handful already But I didn't want to miss this opportunity to actually do a shout out to another educator, Melbourne educator, who is already doing this. And his name is Mr. Vandermond, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he is a Melbourne primary educator who has put together a Melbourne small business giveaway. And I'll put the link to the post on his page in the show notes for you. But it's amazing. And this is his little spiel after his post. It says... It's here and it's big. Melbourne economy has experienced a blow that has severely affected all businesses, but the hardest hit are the small and medium businesses that employ over 50% of workers. This giveaway is huge and is designed to raise awareness of the bleak reality for many shop owners and stimulate consumers to make a purchase to help rebuild Melbourne's economy from the ground up. And my husband has a small business in Melbourne in the construction industry, which has been relatively lucky, but... I do see him each night sitting at his computer, ensuring that he's able to pay his employees, that he is able to get work so that the business continues running. And it has been a really challenging time for all small business and for small business owners to pivot and to shift and to ensure that they have a business to reopen when the lockdown's eased. So I would like to back as many small businesses as I can. And with this little platform, I'm happy to support you where I can. And obviously for no other incentive for me other than to just support you guys. So enough from me. This is the blog Losing Touch, which I wrote on July 19th of this year. When I was a year nine student in English, we were required to submit a piece of writing, which I had not completed. As I have previously discussed, I was a very compliant student and I found the idea of being publicly reprimanded anxiety provoking. To be honest, I will still do a fair bit to avoid scolding even now. 
As the teacher made mention of the task being due and began to make her way around the room to collect our pieces, I quickly scribbled this onto a piece of paper before she was any the wiser. Why? I always think about that. Why do things turn out the way that they do? Is it fate? Is it God? If only it was clear. Another thing that I think about is, if only this had happened, if only I had forced myself to do it, if only I had, then I wouldn't be burdened with this heavy weight, this guilt that I'm forced to live with every day. It feels like the weight is becoming less, but I know it isn't going away. I am slowly sinking into the ground. It will kill me. I appear physically alive, but I am emotionally and mentally dead. If only I had done something. If only I had stopped it. Why hadn't I? No, I have not spent the past 20 years with this memorised. My teacher at the time actually chose to publish it in the yearbook as part of the creative writing section. It is interesting to me because I can't quite place what the catalyst was for the deep emotions I was offering. And yet, in a two-minute time frame, this is what naturally came out of me. Not only must I have identified with these feelings, but that was what was bubbling on the surface. I clearly felt overwhelmed and, as stated, burdened in some way in order to write about it, However, over the years that have passed, the reasons have washed away. Year nine was a year of firsts. It was the year I got my first job. It was the first time I was able to elect subjects for myself. I still remember spending hours on the phone the year before with my friends scouring over the subject guidebook, what the assessments would be for each elective as well as the learning goals. If we picked similar subjects, would we be more likely to be grouped together in classes? Which ones required the least amount of attention and work output? Year 9 was also the year we had our first mixed dance, which was very exciting for us Catholic schoolgirls. Many a bathroom mirror was hunted down before our learn-to-dance sessions with the neighbouring Catholic boys' school to ensure no hair was out of place and the skirts were rolled up just right. Giggling about the idea of touching sweaty hands of the opposite sex while performing the heel and toe. It was also the year I went overseas for the first time for six weeks. Nowadays, when I ask my year seven classes if they have been overseas, there would only be one or two students that had not been on an international trip. 20 years ago, it was not common. Most families were caravanning around their state or heading to the local Best Western Hotel to spend time at the local RSL and swim in the hotel pool. To be given the chance to go overseas was an amazing opportunity. I still remember my parents sitting my sister and I down for a family meeting. They had smirks on their faces, barely able to contain their excitement for the adventure they were able to provide us. My sister was in grade 6 at the time and just picked up on the vibe of my parents and emulated that. I'm not really sure if she fully comprehended the enormity of the offer put before us. I, however, reacted quite differently. Mum and Dad looked at me with bated breath. When was I going to thank them? Jump for joy, start asking about Disneyland and other fun places to visit. Instead, I avoided their gaze and scowled. How could you be doing this to me? Are you seriously going to take me away from my friends for six weeks? I eventually spat. My parents looked at me dumbfounded. Beginning to justify their choice, I cut them short. Don't you know how much I'm going to miss? It is Lisa's birthday in May. How could you do this to me? Tears began to sting in the back of my eyes. They just didn't get it. This was social suicide to be out of the loop for six whole weeks. Even as I relay this story now, I feel disconnected from that 14-year-old girl. Sure, I was her and I lived that moment, but it's so foreign to me now as an adult. Who would ever be so ungrateful for such an incredible opportunity? Spoiled and brat are the two words that come to mind, and yet that was truly how I felt. I remember having a conversation with my grandmother in my teens regarding gang violence and the drug culture amongst the youth of the day. 
She had been reading the newspaper and was very opinionated about the way young people were throwing away their future. Now, for a bit of background, my grandmother grew up in Hungary, Europe. She lost everything once the Russians took over in World War II, and she and my grandfather escaped illegally one night to Austria. There they spent two years under the radar until they had an opportunity to board a boat for asylum in Australia. They had nothing when they arrived and set to work in the jobs the government had assigned for them. When discussing the rise of the illegal drug trade, I remember her looking at me and shaking her head. Why would someone take drugs? I responded, maybe it's a way to feel better, to have a good time. She waved her hand dismissively at me. What would you young people have to be depressed about? You're not living through war. You have everything you could ever want. You don't know how lucky you are. And she was right on all accounts. We weren't living in dangerous times and we truly didn't know how lucky we were. She couldn't truly sympathize with me as a teenager and I could not empathize with her harrowing yet courageous life experience. Sure, I thought it was impressive on paper, but I didn't really understand what it was like and it didn't truly shape my perspective at the time. I had no genuine emotional connection to it and it was her story. It wasn't mine. As a teenager, I don't believe I connected with one adult that I felt truly got it. They had all been teenagers too long ago to really know what we were all going through. At least that's how it felt at the time for me. Now that understanding has never left me. As a teacher, I know how important it is to allow students to feel what they need to and assign whatever weight they will to their own problems. I cannot tell them to get over it and dismiss something that, although it may appear trivial to me, is a genuine issue for them. It takes a conscious effort for me, sure. Clearly, I too am out of touch to that teenage angst as someone who doesn't fully recognise the emotion that I myself wrote in Year 9. The older we get, the more our perspective is shaped around adult situations, and yet some of our students are dealing with things that are truly big. Death, divorce, illness, abuse and failure. Events that, in fact, will continue to affect them in adulthood unless they get proper support and care. If we don't teach our kids emotional intelligence at school, where will they learn it? If we don't validate the ups and downs of being a teenager, how will they feel supported and validated enough to seek help? To our kids, we may be out of touch. But if we want to be ambassadors and advocates for the mental health of the next generation, we need to stop looking at their lives through an adult lens. We need to see things in a way that will allow our students, our children, a space to have an honest conversation. We need to offer them tools that enable them to cope, not just in the moment, but with the additional issues and challenges that they will continue to face in their adult lives. If you liked this, please rate kindly on the podcast, follow along, subscribe, share on social media. I really enjoy you being here. We have just hit over 2,000 downloads in three months, which is amazing considering this is all very new to me. So thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. And I will have an episode, a really exciting episode with a self-published author on Monday. See you then.